Hey everybody, we are Robert, Martin, and Francis, and this is Snakes and Otters, pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome back to Snakes and Otters. This is Code of Honor, our uh, one of our favorite episodes where we get to share the sayings that we all like to uh, try and live by or just think are great things to talk about. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So uh, today is uh, my turn to be in the uh, captain's chair for, uh, for our code of honor. And as you know, listeners, if you've been listening uh, for, for more than just a few episodes, you'll know that uh, we take turns captaining the episodes, especially this one. We like to rotate it. But always, we have a particular format, and that is that one of my compatriots goes first, and then the other goes second, and I follow up with the hammer, as they like to say. Yeah. And uh, kind of try and tie it all together. Uh, and my quote, my uh, uh, saying is always picked, not always, but almost always picked on the fly. So I pick depending on what they have said. So, gentlemen, which one of you wants to go first today? Uh, if it's all right with Francis, I think I'd like to, to kick us off. If that's all right. right ahead. All right, Martin. I think that's an excellent idea. All right. So my quote is a follow-up to my last one, because you guys took me to task a little bit on my Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. All right, Francis has a hand up there. Does, no, 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 he's not. Oh, I, was, right. I was taking a drink of bourbon, sorry. Uh, okay. He was balancing himself, so he bourbon in one hand and the other hand up. No, no. Uh, you guys took me to task a little bit with my autocrat of the breakfast table and Oliver Wendell Holmes and my controversy equalizes fools. And the, and the wise men in the same way, and the fools know it. So you said, yeah, but what if, what if the fools maybe unwittingly or wittingly telling a lie? You know, we have a responsibility about that, to challenge that. So the phrasing I think it was Robert Hughes, uh, my head works a lot the same way that Francis's does, is you say certain words, and then, boing, something pops in there. So, yeah. of course, what popped in there, just like with Francis, <laughs> is Star Trek. Oh, wow. Somebody else is going to do Star Trek. This is really cool. <laughs> so the pressure is off of Francis for today. You can take a break from the Star Trek. Not that uh, you probably will, but you could. Uh, you yeah. could. Well, he, if he's going to quote it, you know it's going to come out. But that's okay. Yeah. So this is Picard, and this is a quote from, of course, my favorite storyline of Next Generation is the whole uh, Worf Sins of the Father reunion redemption storyline. And I think this one is in particular from Reunion. And the line is, your discommendation is a facade to protect less, honor less honorable men. It is a lie. Lies must be challenged. And listeners, if you haven't seen those episodes, you've got to go watch them. But discommendation is a Klingon ritual of taking the honor away from a warrior. Um, and Worf uh, agrees to undertake discommendation to prevent the Empire from splitting in the Civil War. Um, but that, that's what triggered, you know, that, that whole discussion from last time triggers me to, yes, Picard's right. Lies must be challenged. So even though sometimes you've got to get in the hog wallow, honest, decent, moral people 
must challenge lives. I love yeah, it. I love it. It's one of my favorite Picard quotes, too. Uh, and uh, I'm not as enamored with those episodes as you are, uh, Martin, only because I have so many others, but I do love them. Uh, but you're exactly right. Lies must be challenged. Uh, and whether they be, uh, and, and, and there's a similar quotation Picard makes with Wesley Crusher later in the episode, The First Duty. The first duty is to the truth, whether that be personal truth or professional truth or scientific truth, it's the same thing. You have a responsibility as a human being to seek the truth at all times, even when it's uncomfortable or inconvenient. Yeah. I think especially when it's uncomfortable or exactly. inconvenient. <clears throat> because when it is, it means that there's something about us that either we are accepting or acknowledging or believing a lie. And that's what makes us uncomfortable. And so right. that's why I think especially uh, lies have to be challenged because, um, you know, gosh, so much of what we have talked about these last several months uh, has played well into what's been going on in the, in the broader world. Uh, and I don't mean just the lockdown. I mean the social unrest. And I think uh, what we're seeing in there is a lot of the lies being challenged. And Absolutely. not just on an individual way, you know, we're starting to challenge it as a society, which is a fantastic thing. Individuals have to challenge it first, but it's a fantastic thing when society starts challenging the lies. Especially so, when they were not recognized as such before. And I don't think it was because people were believing them. Apathy uh, really plays a big part in when it comes to why lies persist. Probably I think more that's exactly so. true. Yeah, I, th I think truly is. It, once we recognize something as a lie, people of good faith will probably naturally try and challenge that. But it's when we don't see them or it doesn't hit in our personal backyards that they go along and people suffer because look at the great injustice uh, that African Americans have suffered by the Confederate monuments. We talk a lot about that in recent episodes. Every time they look at them, they see a monument to white supremacy and so many other people never noticed. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we can, I don't know if we can be forgiven for that, but I do know that now that we have noticed, there's no forgiveness if we don't do something because that would be so blatant and so deliberate. Martin? Yeah. Well, you know, guys, too, I don't like to lose sight too much of... I mean, hey, I'm quoting a TV show here. <laughs> you oh, know, but a great one, though. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, would, I would get... I would understand the criticism of, hey, you're trying to take away a universal truth out of, you know, a syndicated TV program. And it was a fun one. And, you know, and, you know I always... Matters. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. It, you know, it, I like to... We, we always like to give credit to the writers. We like to ascribe these lines, of course, to these characters and the actors, Patrick Stewart. But, you know, it was really the writers. And, and I'm not familiar with wrote 
uh, reunion, but it's probably Ron Moore, I would bet. He would have, he would have been one of the showrunners at the time, so if he didn't write the episode, he was certainly involved with it. Yeah. And, Ron D, and Ron D. Moore is absolutely cool. We love him yeah. a lot. I mean, we thank him yeah. for, for all that he did here and at Deep Space Nine and Battlestar Galactica and Outlander and so many other TV series yeah. that we all know. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those great, uh, uh, fruitful individuals. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I know for sure he was involved in the writing of Sins of the Father, which is kind of the prequel episode to this one. So I know they probably turned to him for this because, it, again, it's that whole story arc. So I want to I wanna kind of push back on that. I understand that criticism. So I would push back and say, well, you know what? That was kind of the point of these episodes. It was, it was the writer's point to try to mine these universal things um, with these episodes mm -hmm. and transferring it to this set of alien characters in the Klingons and in this exploration of what they're about. Because they're supposed to be about honor. They're supposed to be about being honest and forthright and not deceptive. And here they are using deception and using a lie to prop themselves up. And here's humans who are famous for using lies to prop themselves up, challenging that. So it is an idealism. It is, it is these, this idea that, you know, in the future, maybe humans will be better. Um, What's well, a little bit of good idealism to have. It is. Well, it's a little bit of that uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek comment that I made uh, a few episodes back about Star Trek being racist. Uh, because of the way it, it handles uh, uh, species. Species, this is really what uh, I think we came down on the side of. Yeah. But, you know, I think presenting those truths, uh, and that is a truth, a capital T truth, that lies must be opposed, uh, by putting them, putting that about the Klingons makes it far easier for us to uh, digest and take in, I think. Uh, because when it, if we were saying it about ourselves, I think it comes off as far more preachy than, than it does yeah. when we talk about the Klingons. Yeah. It's still preachy if you're paying attention. But it is about us. But it is well, about us. Yeah. Yeah. As long because, as it's kept universal, it's okay. It's, 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 it, Star Trek is bad when it's, when it's preachy in such a way where there is a legitimate disagreement on how something is done, and you try to say only this way is right or only this belief is right. Well, I think if you keep it universal... Uh, like this, telling the truth is the good thing to do all the time, uh, then who can argue with that if, if it's done with the right nuance? Well, and the whole thing about lies must be opposed, <clears throat> obviously your quote was far more than that. <clears throat> but that's the, that's the gut. That's the money quote out of the quote. Yeah. And, you know, from a, from a moral, a religious an ethical aspect, it is so true because, uh, you know, as we talked about uh, on the show prep, because uh, we don't do a whole lot of show prep before, you know, before doing these particular shows, but, you know, we made the comment about, you know, you, you can be, you are entitled to your own opinion. You know, you're entitled to believe what you want uh, on, on things that are truly uh, matters of uh, subject, subjective matters. But when you're talking about things that are, um, uh, are not, that are objectively true or false, you are not entitled to believe what is false. Uh, mm -hmm. it's just, that's just not 
the way it works. Sure. Because it, you do harm yes. to not just the truth, you do harm to yourself, you do harm to those that hold the truth which has to oppose your lie. The only, diff the only difference between one and another is the degree. You know, if, if your truth is that, that 2 plus 2 equals 5 and mine is 2 plus 2 equals 4, it, granted it's a fundamental thing, but in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter. If your truth is that uh, we can uh, destroy this man's life to prop up our power, and my truth is, no, you can't do that, your power doesn't deserve to endure, then obviously there's a much greater conflict. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, it's only a matter of degree. If you can't hold the one because it's a lie, you can't hold the other because it's yeah. a bigger lie. Yeah. Or vice versa. If you can't hold yeah. the one because it's a bigger lie, it also means you can't hold the other one because it's a tiny lie. You do violence to the truth, to yourself, and those around you. Yeah. Lies are corrosive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, they eventually eat it away, as the story itself shows, because Worf's sacrifice in here is ultimately worthless because he gives up everything of himself and the Civil War still happens. And he goes through two years' worth of hell, uh, personal hell, because of his choices in that episode that you could ultimately say need not have happened because the Civil War still happens and many people die. And things eventually reach back to an equilibrium, but well, was it worth it? You can make the argument that Worf, it's not so much that the Chancellor and Duras were wrong. Worf was wrong because he didn't yeah. oppose the lie. Because he didn't oppose the lie, yeah. And he comes across as very much of a martyr and a hero is because of his, his selfless sacrifice. But in many respects, that's not the smart thing uh, because this, this war was inevitable. To yeah. him, because he didn't live in Klingon society anyways. Right. He was able to tolerate it. Yeah. Right. But well, it was because he knew he needed time. He did. Yes. He needed. He needed the circumstances to be right, and Picard's just reminding him of that. Like, don't forget, we got to challenge this. That's right. I mean, Worf's mind is going. Yep, I know, but the time's got to be right. right. I've got to find a way to get my honor back. That works. Yeah, right. he uh, makes for great drama too, which of course from the story does, perspective, because, that's fine. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Great but the heart of this is, is an interpersonal conflict, not a, not, it's not so much about the Empire as it is the interpersonal conflict. Yeah. But that interpersonal conflict and the lies that are involved in that are what have the greater impact on the Empire. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things about lies, and this is from obviously from a uh, religious aspect, uh, one of the reasons why Francis and I would say that you have to oppose lies is because of our uh, own faith. Because as Catholics, we believe Christ when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. You believe he is truth, and we truly mean capital T there. Uh, there is nothing that is true that opposes him, and anything that is a lie opposes him. So mm -hmm. from our perspective, not only is it unethical to not oppose a lie, it is immoral to not oppose a lie. And it is, yeah. it is immoral to lie. So if, you're, if your faith tells you that you can lie to non-believers, for instance, uh, that, that's a very dif different understanding of God and faith than we would have. 
Right. Uh, and hopefully that's not something you would follow, but you know that's just an example of how that could be, uh, how how the faith is aspect of that is different. Well, the conscience believer at all, yeah. then you know you can make the argument that you know the pilot did what is truth. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, the conscience is primary in this too because it's the barometer of whether uh, of what you do with regard when you're faced with lies and truth and how you have to go about this. And we recognize that truth sometimes can be complex, but ultimately there is a right solution. There has to be a right solution. Well, uh, not always talk, a perfect one, but... When we talk about conscience, though, we have to talk about a well-formed conscience. Uh, mm-hmm. I was about to do that, but you please go right ahead, because we're on the same page with this. We know this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, can't, you can't use your conscience as an excuse to do as you will. Exactly. Henry VIII uh, tried that. Uh, right. Your conscience has to be well-formed, meaning it has to be able to recognize what is true. And you, know, you had made a comment earlier about... Uh, uh, about personal truth, um, I don't like that phrase. I don't like that term, personal truth, because that implies that my truth is different than yours. My experience is different than yours. How I experience truth, how I understand truth, may be different than yours. But the truth itself is independent of anybody. Otherwise, it's not truth. It's opinion. I was quoting Jean-Luc, actually. but I know, I know. Uh, but it, it, but I mean, I want to point. Out uh, I would agree. That's correct. That, though, it's yeah. facts of relativism, and exactly. truth and relativism are opposed to each other. You can't really. It's a non sequitur. Uh, that's from, that's from where the beginning. personal truth, uh, primacy of the conscience, without being well formed, uh, is 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 strictly moral relativism. There's no other way. Right. To yeah. That. Yeah. Conscience is a useful tool, but it has to be properly tuned in order for it to work. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. That's very nice. I like that. That's just kind of slid right into that one, but that's it works. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, the, the writers of these shows give them give them some credit. They're mining traditions, ethical traditions, and putting them in the mouths of a character as a palatable palatable way to put them inside our brains. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a reason the next generation is so revered even today, 30 years later, is because it was very good at that in a, non, uh, in a non-preachy manner. Uh, it would ex- a, explored things. Yeah. It did not come down and, and try to say this way, that way. You know, you're stupid if you do it this way. Only the true people do it this It was never like that. It was always very good about let's explore the difficulties here and then kind of come to some understanding of why something is good or not. And your, your well. quotation is a great example of that. Yeah, when it did it well, it was very good at it. Yeah, um, much better than let that be your last battlefield. Well, oh. that's a low bar to set, though. That's, that's correct. <laughs> that's right. We have, so, we have pummeled that expired equine many, yeah. many episodes uh, ago. Yes. I don't know. I don't think that would ever be pummeled enough. I know it keeps yeah. coming back. It, it, it just, yeah, uh, I mean you can you can start with Jean-Luc Picard and then, well, okay, let's go to then let's go to Immanuel Kant and Hegel and then Nietzsche and we could go all down all sorts of philosophical rabbit holes uh, yeah. when you start talking about the truth. You know, and another thing too I think is important well, is you got to challenge the truth in all directions too. Or challenge the lies in every direction. You can't well, just yeah, and it's not so much challenge the truth as challenge the perception. 
Yes. You know, making yes. sure that you understand what is true and what yes. is a lie. Yeah, mm -hmm. gather your facts, know what you're talking about, and, and challenge the lies, but challenge them in every direction. Don't pick and choose. Yep, and that's, that's the problem with much of society today is that nobody is willing to challenge in every direction anymore. Yeah, yeah. It makes it hard to stand and uh, you lose all your friends. You know, you, you would lose your allies challenge in every direction. You, yes, and once you, because once you challenge your allies, you are no longer an ally. You are the enemy. Yep. You know what happens to enemies? Yeah. They must be destroyed. Yeah, you right. have to, everybody yeah. walks away from you, and, and you're you know you're left with a, a you're a voice in the wilderness that nobody wants to listen to. So voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Yeah. So what do, what good does it do to challenge anything? Nobody's listening. Break the paths. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so Francis, I think it's time to turn it over to you, man. Yes. Oh, well, thank you for that one. I'm going to go, uh, you would think I would be the Star Trek guy, as we've said. I'm not this time. Uh, we, uh, I, I'm not sure there's such a thing as too much Star Trek, but uh, in this case, I'm going to go back to uh, one of my heroes, one of our heroes, one of the guys that we love so very, very much, Ulysses S. Grant. We, keep, we, talk, we talked a lot about him in the last episode when we did Vicksburg, uh, and we've done our own episode on him. But he is such an amazingly uh, moral guy. He was is truly one of the greatest people that ever, greatest geniuses in many ways, a compassionate man, a, a decent man, a, a good man, someone who wanted to do the right thing at all times. And he's full of great quotations, as you can imagine. Uh, but this one here is a little different. He's, he's going to make it's a very brief quotation. He's speaking about the concept of war in particular. I'm going to submit to you that, that this quotation applies in all sorts of circumstances, whether that be business or just life or wherever you want to take this. But I think this showed Grant's genius, and this is something I subscribe to very, very, very clearly. And I'll give you the quotation. It says, if men make war or whatever endeavor you want to put there. If men make war in slavish obedience to rules, they will fail. If men make war in slavish obedience to rules, they will fail. I was just going to say, I think we both started, to, we took a deep breath at the same time there. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> I like that uh, to apply to areas outside of war. Uh, for a lot of reasons. Grant obviously was not someone who believed in the rules of warfare. He believed in winning. Right. Because the sooner you win, the sooner you get it over with, the sooner you get it over with, the sooner that you can stop the killing. And that's a that's a good attitude to, to have if, you, if you've got to be in war, you want to get it over with as soon as possible. Uh, ideally with the least amount of casualties on both sides, that's not always possible. Um, but that slavish devotion to rules... Uh, you know, obviously the implication there is that uh, uh, not all rules are good. Uh, some rules are, and some rules are not. Uh, obviously, thou shalt not kill in the middle of a war is kind of hard to live by, for instance. Uh, but really, the, the the command there is thou shalt not murder, not thou shalt not kill. Uh, there is a slight difference there, uh, <clears throat> especially if you're the one being murdered. And uh, uh, But that slavish devotion to rules, you know, you can make an argument that hits home for us Catholics, you know, because we're full of rules. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
we also change our rules an awful lot where where they are man-made. Um, and, and I would suggest that those are the kind of things he's talking about. Uh, because that yeah. goes back to what is truth and what is laws. It's, yeah, exactly right. One of the reasons that I find this very, very uh, telling, or so very, very dear to me in many respects, is this, he is recognizing the absolute power of the human capacity for creativity yes. and for impetus and for passion and for efficiency and for whatever talent that you might want to put in there. If all you're doing is slavishly obeying rules, you are not being human and bringing, you are just an automaton that simply does what you are told, a blunt instrument as someone might say, I think it was Ian Fleming, that that's <clears throat> all you do. And that's, that's, that's anti-human. Uh, and it's also inefficient, is what he's saying. Uh, you will never succeed if, you, if that's all you can do. Uh, it's only by being bold and being creative and deductive and inductive, using one's re powers of reason as well as emotion and passion to do, to create. It is ultimately a creative act, inspiration, or um, anything like that, uh, even in war, which is what he's referring to in particular, but it applies in so many other things. You have to be able to act boldly, decisively, and confidently in truth. There's tying these two things together. In truth, you have to be, you have to be on the right side in order, to, in order to succeed. And that's so telling because we've all worked at places or known people who've worked at places who go in, punch the clock, and go home and never do anything but what they're told. And maybe that works for some people. But my God, why would we want to live that way? We're all better than that. Why wouldn't we want to contribute in a meaningful manner to whatever it is we do in life? Uh, well, why wouldn't we want our lives to be worth to 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 be fruitful? Almost in our certainly, I think everyone would would desire that, even if they don't realize it. I would recognize, though, that that some people uh, have lived lives that have made them incapable of doing anything else. I understand. Through no fault yes. of their own. Right. Um, just as an example of how, now granted, this is an example of somebody that has uh, overcome the life that he, he grew up in, uh, but I'll use myself as uh, the example here. Um, you know, I come from parents who, who grew up in eastern Kentucky, uh, and, you know, the stereotype of the, the uh, hillbilly from eastern Kentucky uh, is not always that far off. Uh, it, it often is, but it's not always that far off. Uh, my parents are good people. They uh, they raised three of us, uh, but they had their problems. Come from uh, uh, parents who were alcoholics. Um, <coughs> pardon. <coughs> Sorry, that's not the COVID. That's uh, <laughs> having dry dry throat. There, I need to take a sip of bourbon to wet my whistle. What kind of bourbon you got, bro? Uh, finishing off that glass of because uh, I poured a really big one earlier of the uh, Devil's Cut. Um, and it's got a nice uh, burn, as we talked about, uh, a little bit sooner than some of the, smor the more smooth ones, but uh, uh, it's got a nice kick that I enjoy every once in a while. Sounds good. I poured a fresh <clears throat> glass. Twenty boys drinking. Fresh glass of Old Tub, and I, again, highly recommended. This is this is good stuff. 
Yeah, same here. Uh, I've got a, a, a huge bottle of Old Tub, uh, and I'm working my way through it. Uh, it'll be a little while. We need to get together, of course, so we finish our bottles quicker so we can get to more variety. Uh, but this is, it's, it's, this is new. This is the second or third ep- uh, episode I've done with this. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, it's, it's a, I think, heavy, mature, uh, a low burn and a slow burn. Uh, I really, I'm really, really liking it. Now, listeners, I'd also like to point out that even though we talk about bourbon all the time in our episodes, this is about the only time we actually drink bourbon. When that's, we're together that's true. Virtually we or in person, yep. uh, recording episodes. <clears throat> so we are not luscious. I only bring that up because, uh, as I was saying, uh, I come from parents who were alcoholics. Um, there was occasional domestic violence in my home. By all uh, statistics and trends, I should be a far more horrible person than I am. Uh, live a far more horrible life than I do. Uh, I, I'm a casual drinker. You take it or leave it. And I am not someone who beats my wife or my children. And I have bucked the, the trend. I have escaped from uh, the life that statistically I should have. And so I recognize that not everybody can do that. Uh, so you know, we talk about how people who, you know, why would they live that way where they only basically clock in and clock out every day? Um, that's a hard thing not to, especially in this day and age when there are so many distractions that almost seem designed to keep us as someone who just clocks in and out every day, an right. obedient consumer of either media or product or services. Uh, not, I am, I'm not normally a negative uh, uh, person about such things, but, uh, you know, life has either intentionally or unintentionally structured itself in such a way that that you get a lot of that. You know, mm-hmm. Part of that's a first world problem, granted. Right. And I think that's the wisdom in Grant's uh, quotation is the fact that we don't ever forget you can be better than you are. And... I think that's something we often forget because of the so many distractions that we have here. Uh, because your victory over your past came through your own, uh, through God's grace, of course, but also through your own machinations as well. And yes, so that's, uh, that's a, my that's desire not to live more what I went through. I mean, I was not personally beaten or anything like that, but uh, it's nearly as traumatic to to, to witness. The Absolutely. Absolutely, and as the, as the adult child of an alcoholic myself, I can tell you, so much of the good things that we are today is in reaction to the bad things that we witnessed growing up. That's yeah. part of the human condition. Family of origin is, is huge for so much of what we are. Uh, but it also gives me great hope in the fact that we have the ability to be better than what we, by statistics, as you would say, can right, be. because... We are human beings, not just human doings. And that being is part and parcel of of using that intellect and will, that being made in the image and likeness of God. That's what that's about, the the intellect and the will. We're the only creatures that have intellect. And the will to use it in a way other than uh, animal instinct, uh, an animal reaction. So many people, that's all they want. That's all they do. Uh, So many people, that's all they want and that's all they do. Right. Uh, and that's not necessarily horrible. No. But it's horrible only in the sense that we could be more. So why wouldn't yeah. you want to? If that's you know, right. That lost potential. Martin, yeah. you had something. 
and it's important, you know, I've always felt that's that's one of those lies that's out there is you are the sum of your history. And you're not. You well, can, that's correct. You can be something else. Your your well, future is your destiny is not set. It's not wired. That's a lie to challenge. That's right. I would I would phrase it this way. I think that where we are today is the sum of the decisions we have made. Yes. You could, you could make you could make part of that the sum of your history, uh, but more importantly, your destiny is not the sum of your history. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's you right. are not a prisoner of of, the, of, this, of not only of your upbringing, but of the decisions you made either. Uh, as Catholics, we believe in the power of redemption, constant new beginnings over and over and over again. That's a beautiful thing to be able to do that in life. So many people have that opportunity. Everyone has that opportunity. Yeah. So many don't take it, and well, that's a tragedy. Exactly. They don't understand it. They don't understand that. But that should be a universal truth, you know. That should be one of those. It is. Th those, it's those not lies. That's one. That exactly. That's one of those lies that must be challenged. Is that you are a prisoner, Martin? As you were saying, that's a, that is a lie. You are a prisoner of your decisions or of your past, whether they are your fault yeah. or someone else's fault or yeah. nobody's fault. I mean, that just seems to be one of those things that's in the universal mindset now. Is everybody's a prisoner of their circumstance and. You know, you're, this future is set. If your folks did this and you grew up here, you know, and, and policy and so many things are set with this idea in mind that that everybody's future and everybody's destiny is this set product of where they were. God, how hopeless a life would that and, be. And yeah, exactly. That's so hopeless. It's like, no, 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 that's a lie. It's challenged. This podcast stands testament to challenging that lie. I mean, here we all are, all three of us, very humble beginnings. You know, we're we're not the children of philosophers. We're not we're not from a long line of distinguished scholars. You know, my dad dropped out of school at ninth grade, and you know. Like you, your guys talking about your backgrounds and alcoholism and and violence and and these things like, but you can change. Your future is not set. Your mm -hmm. destiny is not locked in because of this incident in your past. It, it can all be different. That's a lie. Challenge it. Be different. Be great. It can happen. Requires you know courage yeah. and requires uh, deliberate action, but it is yeah. possible. Action, yes. And people notice, uh, you know, one of the things that, that is one of those lies is that, especially those who are slavishly de devoted uh, to to rules, to the rules. yeah, um, they think that you can't change and that you shouldn't change. But when and that there's do, no point to changing, and that there's no point to change, yeah, what change is bad, you know. Um, but people notice. Uh, a couple of years ago, when my um, my sister came down here, it was right after we bought the house we're in, which is our first home. Um, we were talking, and you know, my sister made a comment about uh, the things I do as a dad. That she, you know, where did you learn? She's not a quote, but the, the sense was, where did you learn to do that? Because our dad didn't do that stuff. <laughs> um, you know, 
you know, maybe part of that's being exposed to the idealized families of Leave It to the Beaver, Leave It to Beaver, and things like that. I don't know, but you know, it was different. It was definitely different than how it was brought up. But it just, for me, it just seemed to be the natural way to do it. Uh, so either I got extremely lucky, or uh, uh, as Francis said, was extremely blessed, which I believe both are probably true, because um, they're not they're not incompatible uh, yeah. concepts. Sometimes uh, yeah. blessing and luck uh, go hand in hand. Yeah, because it is two things. It's two pieces of a, of everything. It's that will, that making that decision, and then acting on the decision. So it's it's. Will plus action. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the way, that is the intellect and will that, that I talked about being made in the image and likeness of God. Because intellect, in this case, is making the decision. That's the, the mental aspect of it. And the will, and the way I'm using it, is the action itself. So yeah. it's the yeah. same thing, just a different way of, of phrasing it. Yeah. Wow. That Man. is deep. Fellas. Pretty amazing, yeah. isn't it? And I Robert, we, we haven't heard your quotation yet. That's either. right. We haven't even heard mine yet. So, well, Sorry to set you up to, uh, as for such a, a difficult hammer, but you've never let us down well, you yet. Know, so. well, yeah, I mean, the bar is set pretty high today. Yeah, I mean, we're already hitting all kinds of, you know, Aristotelian yeah. and Hegelian and, and who knows what else. I don't even know. Uh, I know, we're trying, well, the, we're pushing back we're against John Stuart Mill once again, which uh, yeah. you know, he's he's the guy that I think. We're uh, gonna start doing uh, episodes on philosophers or something. We we well uh, forget we, we're we're doing Nietzsche uh, very soon. Uh, that's going to be one of our history episodes. Not necessarily his hero, just he's an no, 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 no. Just he's an important person. Uh, we're right, going to do yeah. von Clausewitz. We're going to do one on him. But you're absolutely right. We need to do one on. Uh, uh, we we got. Listeners, we got probably the next year planned out, but we're constantly flexible, uh, and we, we bump things all the time. So uh, I think we can easily go deep. I, I really would like to do a John Stuart Mill episode because I want to take I want to shoot arrows into him. I had a philosophy professor when I was getting my master's degree that was talked about Kant, and he said the world would be in a better place if Kant had been stillborn, which of course got everybody's attention very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but yes, your master's is done at St. Minorin, so That's correct. That's uh, the categorical uh, imperative. Yeah. Exactly. That's correct. And it was uh, there was a lot of a lot of things that happened with regards to that. There's a lot of things we can talk about that because it, if we understand philosophy, we understand the human condition. And yeah. I think too many people get bogged down in oh that's so hard. No, it's not. It's really not. Uh, and we at Snakes and Otters specialize in making the incomprehensible perfectly comprehensible when we're on our yeah, game. Maybe not perfectly, but it's close well, to our when we're close. on our game. When we're on our game, I did qualify. We're when we're on our game, we have the ability. We've got to be right. on our game. Yeah. yeah, but we usually are when it comes to that. So yeah, uh, just keep watching this space, folks. We'll, you'll be seeing a lot more about, uh, 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 we've got some ideas. We've always got well, ideas. You know, at heart, you know, we talk about how we are uh, nerds and armchair historians and what have you, but I think at heart, we are we are philosophers more than yes, anything else because you're exactly right. we bring that to person. everything. Everything. Uh, even when we do our silly pop culture stuff, uh, it still finds its way in. I mean, after all, the tagline of this show is pointless discussion of eternal questions. That's right. Mean, come Thank on. you, Robert. That's what we are. Well so, done, sir. But we need your no, quotation. Okay. Yes. My quote. Um, you know, as as I said before, I almost never pick my quote ahead of time. Uh, I have a, a pretty long list of things that uh, that are just quotes that I like, things that it's like, 
Uh, yeah, I can, I can agree with that, or things like, oh, that's really profound. Uh, so this one is uh, ha is an anonymous source. Where I got this from did not have a source for it. Uh, so it was probably something that that person had heard and just put in the list, and they didn't know who to uh, attribute it to. So if anyone knows, you can certainly feel free to uh, email us or send us a tweet or whatever and uh, let us know that uh, um, uh, the source of this. So the quote is, your problem isn't the problem. Your reaction is the problem. <laughs> so, oh, I like that. Yes. yes. This, I think does a great job of tying this because we already talked about reaction. And so, and I picked this quote before then, but uh, I, you know, I did a mental yes uh, when we were talking about reaction uh, a little while ago. And, uh, excuse me, taking a sip of the bourbon. <clears throat> and uh, to me, this is all about the intellect and the will and the exercise of it because yeah, there are certainly problems. Some problems are small. Some problems are large. Far too often, we treat every problem as life-shattering, and not every problem is. And far too often, problems that are life-shattering, we don't treat as a problem, period, much less as a small one. And so the reaction really is where the problem can be. It's not always that. Because uh, this is probably, you know, something somebody said to another person uh, who was in the wrong. <clears throat> but how we react to anything is really going to, to display who we are. It's going to display what we believe, what our values are, uh, what we hold to be most important, and who we hold to be most important. Because it's literally every interaction we have. You know, that's every thought we have. Uh, there is really, uh, dreams aside, because even those have an origin somewhere, everything we say, do, and think is a reaction to something else that we have seen, heard, said, done, or thought. Well, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's a Newtonian truism, but it applies universally, well, yeah. But the problem is it's not always equal and opposite. When well, it comes that's correct. To that's right. <clears throat> right. Uh, uh, a measured that, that response point about we, so often doesn't happen. Yeah. That, that's my whole point about it. sometimes we make mountains out of molehills and molehills out of mountains, basically. Uh, and so that reaction, you know, we brought up being that uh, slavishly devoted to, to uh, rules uh, is a sure path to failure, basically. And, you know, that is also part and parcel of that concept of we must oppose lies precisely because they are lies and when we don't when we are slavish to rules without criticism or without critical thinking to put it better yeah there's there's the words there's the magic words we've been yes. we've been dancing around and when we do not yeah. challenge the lies in all directions even if it's uncomfortable and especially that's when our reaction is the problem it really is and it, it can be so small because it can be as simple as being short and snippy with your kids when they come up and want to talk to you while you're in the middle of trying to relax watching a television show. And I know none of us have ever had that happen. Oh, no, no, of course not. Of course, <clears> of course not, brother. yes. Yeah. Um, but it can be something as simple as that, but, you know, that's demeaning, and it's hard not to right. do. 
And if we can do that with our family, my God, what do we do with you know the waiter or waitress that uh, spills our drink, uh, or just takes five extra minutes to get our food to us? Uh, you know, when the people behind us uh, got their food first, even though they came in after us. You know, things like that. Um, these kind, these reactions, they're all important because the reaction. I'm not so much worried about the thought reaction. You know, what thought I have in response to the the thoughts prior to that or, or the, mm-hmm. what I see. Uh, I think our biggest problem is the reactions that are to and with one another. Yeah, the interactions uh, that yeah. we have as a result of our uh, initial reactions. Because reactions is something we have 100% control over. Uh, now, not our feelings we do not, it's, but how we act upon them, which is that what you're saying, the reactions, we have 100% control on it. One of the things that... Uh, uh, that we uh, we hear about when people talk about how you select uh, a life partner, a mate, uh, somebody to marry, is uh, in the dating universe. You say, how do these, how does this potential person treat uh, the waiter or waitress that you're around? That's a great example. Or treat other people. How do you want to be treated by them? That will show how they are. How do they make you feel? That's how, exactly right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Which, you know, I'm not one for using feelings as a guide, but in this case. Yeah, because you know, if you're if you're always feeling bad when you're around that person, that's probably not a person you should be around. The fingerprints yeah. are always there; they're always left behind uh, as to a person's nature. Uh, it, it now uh, there are exceptions, of course, because certain uh, psychopaths uh, have the ability to mask certain things. But uh, the, uh, as a general rule, though, most people aren't that sophisticated, fortunately. Uh, Martin, uh, but. Uh, Martin? Well, it just, you know, it ties right back to my original, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to burn down the shithouse, it's another to install plumbing. Well, that's correct. Yeah. There's, that, that, yeah. that speaks to the, the quality of your reaction matters, yeah. and yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of virtue to be found in burning down the outhouse. And for some people, that's their first reaction, is to get angry. And to lash out at whoever's nearby, and that serves no one. Serves no one. It really I doesn't. would good. Yes. Well, you know, yeah. yeah it does how sometimes. very selfish. That's yeah. How very selfish. That's, that's right. That's part of the but problem we, because sin. Uh, not not that all bad reactions are sinful, uh, but at its core, when you think about something that is wrong or that we shouldn't do for whatever reason, even if it's not the level of you know mortal sin. Uh, it's because it makes us feel good in one way or another. Whether it's we feel uh, better than somebody else because they're more miserable than us, or literally it's more pleasurable in our physical senses. Uh, in some way or another, we get something out of it. You know, the, um, the, the, the domestic abuser. Uh, yes. That's, that's, there's a perfect, perfect textbook, casebook example of how, that's, how they become the way they are is because the reaction that they give gives them validation, pleasure, some form of dopamine hit uh, to use the biology of it. Or they can exercise power over somebody yeah. who has less power than them, just as someone has exercised power over them. So often the case. That's oh. correct. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things, the more I think about this quote, um, and again, this is, your problem isn't the problem, your reaction is the problem. The more and more I think about this, I think this is the one of the best two-sentence summaries of both philosophy and moral theology that you can come up with. Because 
philosophy is all about the human condition. Moral theology is all about doing the right thing in the human condition. And the right thing, granted, has a very broad definition because it's not just towards one another, it's towards God as well. Uh, so the right thing is, is broader for moral theology but, than it is for philosophy. But you really got to have an understanding of both, um, uh, I think, to really be a well-rounded person, even if, it, even if it's not a formal understanding uh, of, of both. Because there's plenty of people that grasp this stuff intuitively but wouldn't think of themselves as moral theologians, much less philosophers. Well, truths, uh, truths are supposed to be self-evident. Uh, supposed to be. Jeff, yeah, supposed to be. Supposed uh, if we have the will to look for them. And, and uh, if we can keep ourselves from being overly distracted, I think there's part of the problem. Uh, I don't think there's, there's very few people that can't uh, walk, uh, can't swim in these waters if they should so choose. They just say, well, that's just not for me. I think they do that a disservice to themselves. Uh, I think there's a lot to be learned uh, in, in these areas. But that's why we have snakes and otters, gentlemen to be able to plumb these depths for them. I want an exception noted yeah. to this, this idea. If you won't get out of the left lane on the expressway, that's a problem regardless of my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this is true. I mean, yeah, we're not saying that there are not problems. And they're not, you know, but, yeah, it's you guys, just, you know, on a serious note, that that's, yeah, you made me think that I need to do better. I am, uh, I am do, sometimes all angry. Do. I'm we the angry fellow, do. but yes, yeah. We're all fallen creatures. That is something I always exactly try right. to remember. That's not to give us an excuse. That just gives us a reason to do better. A reason to do better. That's it, right. Recognizing our, our fallen natures isn't recognizing that we are inherently evil because we are not Calvinists. Uh, no, we don't believe that. Francis yeah. and I, and I don't think Martin would agree that we are inherently uh, corrupt uh, as human beings. Um, but recognizing that fallen nature, that concupiscence, which is that tendency to sin, to do the wrong thing, when confronted with a choice between what is right and wrong, um, is just recognizing the point from which we're starting. You know, right. One of the hardest things to do when we undertake anything, whether it's something big or something small, but especially when there's a personal element to it, and that is recognizing our reality, not what we want it to be. Yeah what it really is. What and that really includes is. who we are, our capabilities, and where we're starting from. But also not just our capabilities, but also our proclivities, uh, meaning not just what we are, we, the good we want to do, but also the, the evil, for lack of a better word, that we want to do. Even If St. Paul can say, even though I do not want to do evil, I do it. I do the things I do not want to do. And he's considered the greatest uh, evangelizer and, uh, of, of Christianity and if he can say that uh, mm -hmm. then surely the rest of us can be humble enough to recognize that mm -hmm. uh, the same is true because that's right. the reaction right we don't live up to our ideals all the time right doesn't mean the no ideals yeah that's right I mean yeah. uh, doesn't mean we're, we're repudiating the ideals uh, and it doesn't mean we throw them out that's right because we can't we'll, live we'll up to the goalposts as they say uh, right. Just, just re redefine them so it's not a problem anymore. That's common these days. 
uh, we recognize that's a cheat. And that's, again, lies must be challenged. Lies and that's what that would be. That's right. Well, you know, moving the goalpost happens both ways. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good to move them in closer because it gives you a win. Uh, and, but the thing is, you then move them back farther out so you have something new to shoot for. Uh, sometimes it's good to move them farther out to set the bar a little higher, mm-hmm. uh, to give us something more to shoot for. What's not good is when you are having trouble uh, hitting the, 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 the goal from, say, 30 yards, is moving it you know, an extra 20 yards away because then the goal becomes impossible. And that's a problem. Uh, because yeah. the reaction is then, well, I can't do that. If I couldn't hit 30, I'm not going to hit it from 50. So, so I might as well Yeah. And that, I think, is probably the biggest problem, that uh, biggest reaction that is a problem, is we give up on ourselves, and we give up on other people. Uh, some people give up mm-hmm. on other people before they even start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Courage requires persistence, gentlemen. Yes. That's for sure. It requires persistence well. and also requires knowing when to try something else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, no. Because you don't want to be slavishly uh, adhering, yeah. obe- obedient well, to, yeah. to yeah. the rules. That's right. Yeah. You, you have to, you have to know where, where you need to be going. Well, and that's the whole thing. The destination is the point. Not, I want to say the journey is not because the journey is, is, is essential because until we get to either heaven or hell, we're not going to get our ultimate destination, right? Yeah. Um, you know, speaking from the, the grand uh, religious sense. Uh, but for those of us that, that believe in an afterlife, that should be the most important thing that we shoot for. And from that should flow everything else. That should be why, uh, uh, at, the, at a very minimum, that we live a good and moral life. Not because we're scared of going to hell, although that's not the worst reason to be good. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, obviously the better reason is so that you go to, you get to heaven, you know, you, you, something you shoot for instead of avoiding. But, you know, it, so there's a little, there's a little Rousseau there. There's a little social contract theory right in there. Yeah. 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 So uh, do we need to be teaching a college course here or something guys? I thought that's what we were doing already. It's <laughs> right. We, we, snakes and otters should be mandatory on college camp high. Uh, because it uh, oh, it really yes. makes a a, a very good uh, yes. a good way to uh, uh, it keeps hey we keep our game sharp so you know hopefully well, you know, we're doing Zig the Ziglar same would call this uh, back in the day would have been called automobile university uh, because you would uh, play tapes and personal development programs yeah. uh, your tape player your CD player and then you know your iPod and then your phone uh, in your car oh, or not a flash drive that's connected to your to yeah. your we need to offer, uh, you know, approach Bellarmine and say, hey, we need to be on staff here. We need to be on the faculty. Bjorn loved that, wouldn't he? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. So look, we're going to be on campus and uh, Snakes and Otters 101. Can you imagine if the three of us got tenure at Bellarmine? <laughs> <laughs> look out, world, here we come. Oh, That'd my be gosh. Something else. All right. Well, that, that's pretty good stuff, man. I mean, we hit, we were everywhere there. We, we usually are. Code of Honors, uh, uh, you know, never lets us down. Yeah. We always, we we were, always, I, I don't know that I was terribly profound with tying it together, but I still tied it together. Yeah, it no, it was great. It, it was great. Works. I mean, because, again, you're taking threads from everywhere, 
we're yeah. taking all these different threads and synthesizing a moral philosophy uh, in a one-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, making a, a cogent and coherent uh, discussion yeah, uh, out of right. certain pieces. Yeah. yeah and we, we go back to those universal truths. We always do. That's why they're universal, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it just shows, goes to show you that uh, there is universal truth, that there is a set of ideals that is common to everybody. Yeah, and right. well, I think what makes our show good, you know, I don't like to, to spend too much time patting ourselves on the back, but I think that's our strength, yeah. is being able to, to take these fun topics and tie that together. Now, there may not be a whole lot of listeners that, that like all of the stuff we do, but uh, you know, I think we do enough that we, we, we appeal to a pretty broad range, and we still hit, hit this kind of stuff most every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, matter, no matter what we decide to talk about. That's Francis right. Francis, brother, what is next? Speaking of next episodes, right? Two yep. words, gentlemen. Ronaldus Maximus. Whoa. We're, oh. we're talking about... I don't, I'm not sure why it took us so long to get here. But uh, next episode is a hero's episode, and we're going to talk about Ronaldus Maximus himself, the, the formative president of our uh, young mm-hmm. life, because when we were in high school and college was during the 80s. So, of course... Uh, Ronald Reagan was very formative to us, the world that uh, we lived in and inhabited. Uh, and he was a giant of a person, uh, as well as as a president. He's known as the great communicator for lots of good reasons. And whether you were on his side politically or not, you certainly could not help but be in awe of his ability to connect with people. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, about what's so great about him and what were his virtues and strengths. We're going to recognize he's not a perfect person. No one is. But there are certain good things that we can glean from him. And we'll talk about those next episode. Don't miss it. Now, if we had a huge following, that would be a very controversial episode in this day and age. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us, and please... Remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.